Welcome to the Heart of Soul podcast, an exploration of who you are, what you are, and why you are, offering new ways to investigate age-old questions at the heart of you. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for listening to the Heart of Soul podcast. We continue our series on realizations that come as a result of insolment practice. Today is a two-for-one on realizations that you've projected on people so much you've never really known them, number one, and second, that you've played victim for most of your life. To address the first, we need to blend personhood and sagehood and demonstrate that in one way, you can never truly know anyone, including yourself. We cover the four general compensational strategies that our unconscious protection draws upon, and for the second realization, the connection between absolutism and victimhood that's quite subtle to appreciate, especially when it comes to existential victimhood and how EBE, as a psycho-spiritual paradigm, addresses projection and victimhood in both content and context, which most paradigms don't combine. Anyway, and much, much more, thanks so much for listening. Well, greetings and welcome forward, everybody. Hello, Stace. Hello, hello. Greetings. Uh, and we're going to talk about one, possibly two more realizations uh, today. But but first, apparently, uh, my sponsor that I've mentioned in the last couple episodes uh, <laughs> needs some explanation slash retraction. Uh, apparently, it's caused some confusion in people because I, I think for two, two reasons. One, it felt when I was trying to deliver it that it didn't really fit. Um, because what we talk about here is pretty serious and I was trying to bring some like lightness into it and it didn't really quite fit. But what I can own is I think (laughs) inside of my, um, victimhood hotline, uh, joke, there is a playing victim to victimhood part in me Uh, that mm -hmm. really rails against victimhood. So there was a, a spin or a coloring or a tainting of it that, where I was trying to be funny, it actually was serious. And that I think is my contribution to why it was confusion, confusing for people. Oh, that's a great reveal. You, I would, I would not have thought of that, but that feels, that feels accurate. Wow. Yeah. yeah good call. I, I, I've been a, a highly responsible person, not in the beginning, in my, in my teens, I was really quite uh, entitled and, and arrogant and, uh, and not very responsible. But I learned integrity the hard way um, through a lot of accountability and, by my early 30s, I was um, I had very high integrity. So then, the whatever aspect of victimhood still remained in me, which was energetically and behaviorally addressed, retreated to the existential realm, and uh, yeah. became meta victimhood, which is I will play victim to other people playing victim. <laughs> Yes. Oh, good call, Mister Man. And that requires a very that for that to outwork, it's will require and is requiring um, more and more of a soulful me because that means you have to be able to receive the insanity of whatever is before you and meet it with yes. compassion. Yes, exactly. And the, uh, alongside of that, which I think we'll get to today or next time if we don't complete today, about how any. Any positionality that is non-negotiable is an absolute, and there's always victimhood under an absolutism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because you need the absolutism to cover uh, the weakness, that self-perceived weakness in being a victim. So that means all positionality has to be negotiable. 
yeah. uh, that, that's a tricky one, but it's it's solvable in our paradigm. Uh, excruciatingly so sometimes. Yeah, for yeah. sure, for sure. Well, before yeah. we dive into today's realizations, I have another sponsor. <laughs> I can't even do it this straight face because on the subject of victimhood. We're not going to be talking about the Victimhood Hotline. What I want to talk about today is a new product because many household cleaners out there promise to fight grease and be tough on stains. But these willful orientations mean we're already playing victim to the dirt rather than being curious why we draw it to us in the first place, just as you were saying. So I'd like to present for the first time in the evolution of human hygiene, Edeniclean. It's an emotionally homeopathic household cleaner. You no longer must shrink to clean or expand to disinfect. Look for it wherever household cleaners are sold. If you want authentic clean, use only Edeniclean. It loves dirt in. Oh, God. Oh, Joseph, now that is beautiful. That is beautiful. I, I just recently found out that um, there is coursework at the university level, and I never heard of this before, advertising psychology. Oh, sure. I, I didn't know that. Um, and so what, you, what you're doing there is going meta-ironic to advertising oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, so I mean, weird. when I first learned marketing years and years ago, um, it, it, it's really struck me like, oh, it's just communication and psychology. And um, I mean, you know, marketing, uh, I mean, it, first marketing was propaganda. That was the first yeah. use of it. Right. The, sure. the, the Nazis were the ones who were like, oh, psychology, mm -hmm. that's cool. We like kind of invented that over here. Let's use it to manipulate people. And then behaviorism. Yes would yeah. use it to manipulate people with good intentions. That's the difference propaganda and behaviorism. That's so true. I never thought of it that way. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, great. I find um, the field of marketing is absolutely fascinating. And, it, yeah, again, it's like, and I'm sure professional marketers, they walk that line all the time. It's like, well, we want them to have this feeling associated with this product yeah, how moral is that, that they're yes, pulling the strings exactly. on people? Where, where does the spin factor become toxic is an interesting question. But I'd like to context this, uh, this uh, product, cleaning product, that uh, Joseph um, is the author of, and look for this in the future for, um, for our, in our paradigm, to try to be light in such heavy subjects as we are, uh, edentertainment. Um, where Joseph will uh, play uh, commentators and advertising, uh, um, hawking uh, uh, people, uh, uh, infomercial type stuff with the entertainment, uh, exactly as this, what he just did there. So look for that in the future. Yeah, it's there will be more. I did, I did create a couple of one-man shows back in the day in, in 1.0, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of that material. And really, it was created from necessity, and it's something I've been feeling a lot recently because yeah. our news and our entertainment lacks meta context. Yes. And mm -hmm. I mean, man, I can't tell you how many times during the week it's like, okay, it's 7 p.m., I'm tired, I want entertainment. But like to use a line you once said, um, I remember vividly you were talking about why you liked action movies. You said, quote, and I quote, 
because then I don't have to worry about people's motives. <laughs> and I so get that. I remember another film. I wish I could remember the name of it. I remember saying, remember that one? The, the, the guy is a scientist and um, his wife's dying of cancer and he's not connecting with her. She's totally accepting her fatal diagnosis and he's like pushing her away emotionally and working and and trying to find a cure do you remember the name of that oh, film yeah, yeah i do i do that sounds familiar yeah and we watched yeah. that and and everybody in the room was getting so annoyed and i remember saying like are we supposed to think that this is an uh, expression of his care or yes. are we supposed to think that um he's emotionally distancing himself and this is a problem like which yes. which is it and i yes. remember again vividly you said they don't make a distinction between the two they're not i'm like ah it's no, just never, you know this no. is how it is this is life this right. is people right. uh, it would be giving the director and the writer way too much credit uh to say what which is it that they want us to think yeah but is this healthy or we, not Right. That's, and there's our motive analysis, uh, mm -hmm. uh, motivational analysis and identity really is a different animal, uh, because of the emotive first, um, capacity of consciousness, uh, until you really get that we're emotional beings before we're energetic beings even, and then before we're willful beings and mental beings and behavioral beings, um, that changes everything across the board on almost every uh, domain of human consciousness. So. Yeah. And like in this film, it was like, it was completely, it wasn't a gray area. It was like, she all but said, I would like you to stop working on a cure and just be with me in my final days. Right. And that was clearly her wishes. And he was clearly not listening and more focused. You know, he was not feeling his own fear didn't want right. to be close with her and it was just really cut and dried but like from the that's why it was so confusing it was like because it, i could tell we we were supposed to be sort of confused or concerned about that not being like this guy's an idiot what is he doing you know <laughs> yeah he here he is medicating with the cure that looks like he's doing it for her, but he's narcissistically doing it for himself. Exactly. Yeah, it was right. exactly. He was totally doing it for himself. And we're supposed to think it's somehow altruistic. And there yeah. was, there's the clue because there, altruism there is, is seen in our society <laughs> yes. as a good thing. So it was like, yeah. Uh, so oh, yeah, God. as, as again, as you said, because we watched a lot of films together, you'd be like, you know, the, the film is a portrayal of the values of the director. Yes. Mm -hmm. And in action and movies writer. and the writer, and the, yeah, writer. Sure. The, interpre the interpretation of the director of the writer. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so if those values are distorted, as they usually are, it's very <laughs> yes. hard to enjoy a film because as in Edenist, whatever that is, you just can't help but see the discrepancies and the distortions. And then yeah. I start trying to like work them out and start going, okay, well, why do they think that? And why, and what kind of childhood do they have? And I was like, no, I don't want to work. I don't want to think about the director or the writer's childhoods. I want to enjoy myself. So anyway, all of that is to say, that's why I created Eat Entertainment. And, and I wish somebody would do a podcast that I could listen to. Yes. Uh, so I would have two hours a week to mow the lawn and not have to be listening to someone else's screwed up value system. No, honorable, noble, reasonable value system that they are also testing, but not conscious that they are testing usually. But yes. yeah, I just, I just want more identity based value and in uh, a news. Oh my God. A news feed would be amazing. That had that as a context that 
yeah. where there wasn't victimhood. And- one, one day, maybe we have Eden news, you know. Um, uh, uh, we just got, Brie and I just got an, uh, uh, an email, some one out of a hundred, oh, wait now, that's not a good idea, of a new news source called Epic, E-P-O-C-H. Um, uh-huh. it sounds good, we're going to look into it a little further, that uh, offers uh, non-skewed, non-entertainment news, yeah. but offers both sides of our continental divide of consciousness that we have in this country. Better to say continental divide rather than civil war. Sure. Uh, yeah. yeah but, well, uh, news is really hard too. Very difficult because I care about the world. I want to know what's going on. But it's like right. there's no such thing as objective journalism anymore. Mm-hmm. It's mostly opinion based. And then the stuff that uh, isn't opinion based is slanted without anyone realizing it's slanted. Like the New York Times, for example, is oh, yeah. far more liberal than they admit. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's with right. word choice and just what they represent and what they don't. And then I tried libertarian-based news for a while, but it's so excessively mental and, yeah, and exactly. reason-based yeah. and kind of in this paranoid kind of way that's yeah. like they're playing victim to the Democrats and Republicans. That's so like, oh, I don't have to sort through all of this stuff. I just want to know what's going on. Yeah. Uh, amen to that. I do the same. I look at four or five news sources every day for the first hour or two of my day, just to cut, just because I care about the world and to sense in. And I get, I get reactions inside of sometimes it will spark a third eye. What's going to happen with Mm -hmm. this issue or that issue. So, but it's really depressing these days because of the shallowness and the uh, vindictiveness and politicalization of information. Uh, Yeah. So very difficult. Yeah. And so, not, not uncoincidentally, that's mm-hmm. a fairly reasonable segue to yeah. our value or our realization today. You want to name that there? Yes, Joseph? number eight is what we're on. That you've projected on people so much you've never really known them. Okay, let's let's take a big bite out of that one right from mm-hmm. the start. Um, really, this is speaking to a really. Um, not arcane, but uh, not so well understood um, uh, domain of philosophy, and that is, what is knowledge in itself? Uh, what, what are the limits of knowledge? And our realization here that people come to sometimes very painfully, uh, that um, you've never, you, you really, you've never known anyone because you've been too busy projecting your own reality onto them. So let's, we're going to reference this uh, limit of knowledge thing also uh, while we uh, unpack this. I'd like to start, uh, Joseph, with um, how, and this is really disturbing for some people, um, we can never know fully anyone. Mm-hmm. Now, this is even before we get into projections. That's a mechanism that operates out of this reality. We, we don't know anyone. We only know our version of someone, not the version, the version. Now, this is profoundly disturbing uh, to a lot of people. I used to talk about this early on in my uh, a weird career. Uh, independent. I had to make my own career path, by the way. There's no one ads for my career path. Uh, I <laughs> Surely not. Path. I had invented, but but this really disturbed people. How can you say that? I've known my wife for forty years. I know her better than anyone on the planet. You may know her better than anyone on the planet, but you don't know her fully. It's a kind of nounification. It, it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, we our limits of knowledge. Uh, the human consciousness, as clever as it is, as inventive and creative as it is, 
uh, with all the portals to the divine uh, aspects that it, that it has, we can only know our version of anything. You know, our version. The, the first talk I saw you do, I believe it was 2003, um, you opened the talk by saying, you know, uh, you know, it was in someone's home, and so there was lots of sort of socializing and milling around before you started. And you opened with reporting that just like 10 minutes before, someone had said, uh, uh, who's Stace? And then, and, and, and you were like, you know, I don't know, five or 10 feet away and overheard it. And you said, hell if I know. <laughs> and someone said, oh, that's not a good sign. And you opened the talk by talking about exactly that. Like, what yes. is our concept of how well we're supposed to know, know ourselves and, and where do we exactly. think we're going to actually arrive at? Because it goes for ourselves as well. It does. That was my, my next exact um, uh, dot to connect to is yeah. not only can we never know the fullness of anyone else, we can never know the fullness of ourselves. Uh, we know only our version of ourselves. And that version in our picture of things, unlike other paradigms, is twisted all, more than two-thirds to uh, filters that will limit our ability to know ourselves and others. In other words... And even uh, without, even just to, this connects to uh, the concept thing, which I believe was the last podcast, uh, you, you can never really know a rock or a tree or a flower either. It's just anything. Yeah, anything, because there's the limits of conceptualization. But here's an important point that we make a, really a fine point on is that just because we can't ever know anyone in fullness doesn't mean that there are gradations of learning more and more and more about a person and more and more and more about ourselves, but it's always asymptotic. It's always, um, well, what's the paradox of the rock falling and never hitting the ground? Uh, the, uh, uh, is that Mino's paradox or? Um, I always uh, thought it was Zeno's. Zeno's paradox? I can't oh, I think it might be Zeno. If you go if you go half the distance to a wall and then half that distance and then half that distance, you never actually, mathematically, you never reach it. And, right. that, and that's the describing, I wanted to define uh, asymptote for people who use the adjective oh, asymptotic. Yes. Asymptote, mm -hmm. we learned in math, and most people will never use it, but this is actually the real important usage of it. An asymptote yes. is a curve that approaches an axis or a line, but never reaches it. But yes. it approaches it. It's one away, point one away, point oh one away, point oh oh one, <laughs> but never reaches it. And it's this paradox, because when you drop a ball, even though it drops halfway and then halfway and halfway, it does hit the ground, which means mathematics is not actually a perfect representative of reality. Right. So um, asymptotically, what, what all knowledge is asymptotic. Um, un unlike what you hear out there in the scientific world of misinformation at the moment, mm -hmm. no true scientist ever takes a position yeah right there's no there's no uh, the science says every time they they say the science yeah. says that's right. decidedly unscientific completely that meta it just drives me crazy the lack of that meta yeah all a, a true scientist will have is a hypothesis and they will constantly test that hypothesis against the vagaries and measurements of, re of what they, we call reality. So in that sense, uh, these scientists that say uh, you, when you die, that's it, um, that's it. Uh, and there's no, there's no proof of anything else. They've just taken a position mm -hmm. that is not scientific. 
in itself. Uh, everything is a hypothesis. So I've rarely met scientists. Uh, I was trained as one. I rarely met, rarely meet scientists who have this basic understanding of what science is, mm -hmm. asymptotic knowledge. We can only ever know more and more and more, but never all of anything about the universe, much less this living organism next to us called a tree or your wife or husband, right? <laughs> well, science used to be, especially when it was mixed with yes. philosophy, like in yes. the uh, golden age of Greece, science yes. used to be a curiosity about understanding reality. Yes. And now it's mostly engineering. Yes. And mostly. engineering is what works, what can we do with this? Not right. what is the nature of existence, and um, yes. that's a way different thing in science. So yeah, because there's no money in science. Yes, not not in that way. No. Nor should there be in some not so bizarre way. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's the same thing too for psychology. That um, engineering now has oh. gone to practical, practical psychology, not analytical psychology. Yeah. What works? What can I do to help you? feel better today, uh, yes. not the source of your disquiet. Um, not that there isn't a percentage of, of eminent psychologists and psychiatrists that might still do a bit of analytic, but mm -hmm. the most of the analytic psychology is Freudian and Freudian had a huge filter, um, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> and so, um, uh, there's limits even to analytical Freudian, but a general analysis of why we're suffering instead of treating the suffering is the version in psychology that you just mentioned in science. Right? Yeah. So then, yeah, I never thought about, you know, behaviorism is very much engineering. Um, yes. and I never mm -hmm. thought about the, um, the, there's just no bridge between the pure science and the engineering. Like they're both necessary, sure. but they really need to be talking to each other and working with each other because the engineer wants to know what works today. And the scientist wants to know what's the nature of reality. And it's like, if there could be, I don't know if there could just be like a paradigm big enough to hold both of those so that yeah. they weren't in opposition, then they could work together. You know, I went to Loyola University uh, in Chicago, and uh, when I was um, uh, interviewing there, or when I was getting, I met a went to Loyola and got a, some counselor, one of the counselors before I, I went, and asked. Uh, I looked through their, you know, their whole array of courses for freshmen, and I said, I don't see anywhere in your curriculum and in, in any in any of the four years of a philosophy of science. Uh, is there? Don't you have a philosophy of science for course? what kind of program? Uh, any just, just in looking, general, okay. Yeah, I was looking for philosophy of science, uh, uh, whether that was in a, phil a philosophy um, a curriculum or a scientific. I know science is just the way it is. We don't need to yeah. go meta to it. <laughs> and, and I realized when the and the person who is really knowledgeable about about uh, all the coursework in the in the university, I've never heard of such a thing. And this person <laughs> had a PhD. Um, oh God. Now, now that doesn't mean people don't know about philosophy of science, of course, but there is a, that has moved away the philosophy of science. Philosophy and science have gone two different directions. One became an ivory tower philosophy, disengaged from life, too analytical, not applied. And science went too far into to um, uh, the yeah. density of things, and so. Yeah. Uh, they they're too far apart now to be considerably um, to con be considered as without a philosophical context to science 
That's why scientists say say positional absolutes all the time instead of yeah. hypotheses, right? Yeah, yeah. This is depressing. Oh. Yeah. Level because, of discourse, of human discourse. Yeah, because science is like literally leading intellectualism. So it it frames it frames critical thinking because they're the purveyors of it. They're the sort of final authority of it, besides maybe lawyers and lawyers absolutely to yeah. you know, their relationship to truth is really screwed up. It's like if I can uh -oh. convince you of there, it, then it must be true. Is, there is no relationship to truth and lawyerism. <laughs> no, no the relationship is that they own it, that they will decide <laughs> yeah. what is true or not for you <laughs> oh, now that's a rabbit hole that's worth going down but <laughs> yeah, we've already gone down philosophy of science yes, yes, yes. no that was great though that was i love you see this is how i and you know people with good reason have trouble reading my books i understand why um but one of the other positive reasons that it's difficult is that i address rabbit holes uh in in paragraphs even uh, we, I will go off on a rabbit hole in a paragraph mm -hmm. and then come back to it three paragraphs later. Mm -hmm. And it was, sounds like I'm repeating myself, but I'm actually going down rabbit holes that are created by this last sentence I wrote. And I, yeah. I always thought of that the other night uh, when mm -hmm. I was falling asleep about our podcasts. Uh, uh, our podcasts are, 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 are riven, riven with, um, with rabbit holes because mm -hmm. everything we say has applications in, every, in so many different domains. And we can't stay on track, nor do we want to. We yeah. want it to unfold. But I write like that, and that's mm -hmm. really confusing for some people. Oh, I know. Yeah, it's it's similar for me. It's the the writing is the easy part. It's the editing, and you know, the having to carve out and remove rabbit holes. It's painful because they're they're useful, and and I can yeah. tell. Stacey and I don't usually talk about this, but to me, it's very much observable. We're only going down about half of the rabbit holes that are right here we're holding ourselves yes. this is us holding ourselves back we're already editing in real time A absolutely <laughs> right uh so let's let's uh, get back on the main line and yes, i project what, what do they what do they call tributaries the huh tributaries yeah. in rivers no um on a, on a railroad line what's what's the side side track oh, i don't know there's a term uh Oh, I forget. I, I was fascinated with railroads. Uh, oh, there's another rabbit hole. Okay. Um, <laughs> that you've projected on people so much, you've never really known them. So first and foremost, there's two dimensions to this. One is we can never know anyone anyway. That doesn't mean give up. Right. Because you can asymptotically get deeper and deeper and deeper, but never know the fullness of everyone. And a lot of people think, well, why should I bother knowing myself or getting to know a person? Well, because there's a huge difference between how you no don't know people now in yourself and what you can know about people yeah. in yourself. Yeah. There's a huge difference. So the first dimension is you can't ever know anyone or yourself fully. Now, the, the kicker here is the tough one is because um, we are 70% a protector version of ourselves by default, all of us. Um, we learned in an early age to have to contract our soulful nature to make any sort of connection with our parents, not because they were less than us or anything, but they were already into their protector self. And so we are born early, uh, early in our life, we are fully emoto soulful beings. And we have to shrink to fit to get any sort of attention and love. And we adjust our behaviors and we, we have to take on belief systems of our parents. And that's called the protector self in a really shorthand way. But we're in, in, uh, in identity, in uh, EBE, emotional body and soul, man, 
this is a, a prime um, a viewpoint that the protector self is who we think we are. Uh, it's not that the, the soul I is different than the protector I. Uh, it's a protector eye is a subset contraction of the soul eye. And so our protector eye thinks it is the soul eye if you start bringing in soul in the conversation by default because it's two thirds, one third. And because it's not, yes, it really has to convince other people and the self that it is. Yes. So when yes. someone says, that's me, that's who I am, that's yeah. the protector talking every time. Exactly. Exactly. And so one of the most difficult things, and Brie has rebased uh, uh, um, EBE altogether yeah. because she starts people with the, the presence of the protector self, not the wounds. She starts all of her work with people with that. And that's what I didn't do. I started with the wounds and back asked the way into the protector self, which we used to call the sentinel, the guard, you know, which was not wrong, but it wasn't very heartful. Well, no, well, I, but I want to um, presence the logic of that because I think it's I think it's interesting and it may still also have validity. And the, the logic of that, and correct me if I'm wrong, was that um, you don't go looking for the protector because that gives them power. Yes, that was the frame of that. That you go looking for the wounds and wait for them to show up because they're going to allow a certain amount of wound to come forward. And then yes. when they show up, it'll be that they'll be coming from a need. They'll be coming from a, whoa, 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 I don't know about this. I'm not sure about this. And Brie found a way to accomplish that same result, which is by going straight for the protector and helping it to find its needs directly. Exactly. Which is even more <laughs> respectful. It, it is, and and uh, when you're when you're um, when you're clearing trees off an acre of land to plant new seeds, uh, you're going to be trying stuff that that uh, uh, may or may not work in the long run. Uh, mine was a young a young way. Actually, it was quite penetrative. Let, let's go. Let's penetrate yeah. the the uh, protector and find the wounds underneath and counter illuminate it by by yeah. a result but breeze is a as a as a yin version and she got to the same uh she got we had the same goal um, but she's remade it and her way is far more um respectful and and honoring, more homeopathic more homeopathic but, mine was more allopathic but also yeah. part of the first version what it served to do the idea was you would get allegiance from the wounds would stop listening to the protector and start listening to the soul eye was the idea Exactly right. Uh, stop taking orders from it, and I think that it it definitely it, it didn't not work. It definitely no, worked. It, it didn't, but it, there are some downsides to it that are unnecessary. Yeah, and, and Bree's reboot of that uh, in the in way uh, it accomplishes it a little more uh, directly and a little and a lot more um, heartfully. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I've um, become a fan of it, and I'm starting to work now with a couple of people myself in personhood, mm -hmm. uh, which I've been trying to disdain myself from <laughs> for uh, years and years. When am I going to be free and just be a sage and a saint teacher guy, you know, the whole paradigm? <laughs> 
my own personhood uh, evolution here has got me uh, hooked now. I want to work with a couple of people in personhood mm-hmm. because it's going to also help my own personhood be here in first shot. Yeah, it really it helps a lot. I know. So I'm I'm getting on board with a couple of people now. Uh, I don't think I could do more than three or two, but I'm I'm doing this. I'm putting my feet in the water. Cool. At any rate, the point here is uh, the protective self has an agenda. And here, and that agenda is a filter that will more, uh, more deeply obfuscate our ability to know ourselves and others. That's the point I want to make. Is one is a meta. You, no one can ever know yourself fully or other fully. But the inside, um, our protective self, will limit how much we can know about ourselves and other because it's got an agenda. And here's the agenda, uh, and, and that is. I already had to change. Yeah. I already had to shrink to meet my parents' world to get any sort of attention and love. I already shrank what felt wrong right to me into what worked with my parents. Don't tell me I have to change again. Any, and this, any, and this yeah, by the way, ahead. this is exactly why we have the frame of how do I get different results on the outside while I stay the same person? Yes, it's it's exactly. it's it's totally under. It doesn't work that way. Is the bad news, um, the, but the reason it's there is because we already had to change for our parents in the first place. And the, it's the protector that's like, why the hell should I change? I've already I'm twisted into a pretzel. When do I get my reward for it? Exactly, and any and we can identify very clearly any resistance to um, the EBE process is um, is virtually all the time the protector and it's for good reason we don't do it we don't un- disvalue that reason it's just not productive for either the protector eye or the soul eye in the long run so this is really important because you see every day uh, in psychology and self-help stuff and uh, and of course in uh, soci- sociology and psychology just change the way you think or change the way you act or change the way you visualize or change the way you attach to the content of your life. You can't change anything until you change yourself. Uh, and, And the way we would say our new definition of changing yourself requires the distinction between the the protector eye, the local version was the shrank to fit to get what we needed in childhood, and our soul eye, which is nothing but uh, nothing but expansive. So we had to shrink ourselves, and of course, the compensation for shrinking to fit is expanding to dominate. Exactly what you uh, you said here in in identically. Yeah, right. Uh, identically, you don't have to expand to dominate or uh, or shrink to fit, or give so to shrink, receive. That's the third one. Or give to receive, and there's another one: retreat to isolate. Oh yeah, I forgot that was the fourth one: there's retreat a, to isolate. One. Mm-hmm. Right. So that was what, what I did right? mostly. Mm-hmm. Lots of us. We all do all four. I'm going to go through them really quickly here because this is the okay. this is the algorithm that doesn't allow us to know ourselves, mm-hmm. much less know other people. We either shrink to fit to please people, so we have an agenda to please to get some love back. We expand to dominate uh, as a compensation to control life and control uh, people. Will um, we have to? Uh, the, the third one is um, give to receive. Uh, give to receive, which That's is altruism. One of 
some fun. Yeah. The, I'm going to give and Oh, I don't have any needs back, which is nonsense. You can't ever give without an agenda. A human being is incapable of non-self interest way deep down only in the way we tell ourselves we can be altruistic. And the last is a retreat to isolate. Um, and that is to create a bubble of safety around a world that never saw us, uh, that we were invisible to, our emotions were invisible to, our soulful knowledges were invisible to. So cracking that nut uh, is hard. And it has to be done with respectful, loving negotiation with the agendas, the agenda of the protective self. You have a so name for this list? Thinking, what are these four things? Um, I used to call them something. Uh, 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 <laughs> I used to call them something. That sounds like a country song, like a metaphysical <laughs> yes. country song. Philosopher they're um, they're um, wound wound based um, contractions and comp and, and compensations for our 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 inauthentic. So like our generic compensational strategies. Yes, you could uh -huh. say that. Yeah, even even shrink to fit is a compensation. Oh, yeah. You could make that. You can fi fix that in both directions. So, in that sense, uh, the more the protector self is healed, and and the protector self protects like a, a teenager, um, a teenage babysitter, a whole host of core of core emotions um, that have that are have never are the result of having never had soul food from our parents or our cultures or our religions or our societies. So in that sense, um, the more the, um, the, uh, uh, we respectfully bring the, uh, um, first of all, to help this protector eye see that it is not the big eye, it's the smaller eye, um, a contracted form uh, in those four ways we just said, uh, but those algorithms. Uh, and so, and we work with that protector self, and the more we do, the more we we find that the kids inside, what they used to call inner children, they're they're not inner children, they're inner emotions mm -hmm. uh, of hurt, anxiety, um, a rage, control, depression, and shame. We call that anger a, now. Ang no, well, the wound-based version is rage. Okay, uh, you're talking about the more superficial versions. Yeah, I'm just talking at okay. that moment. But you're right, of course. Uh, that's yeah. another conversation. Yeah. Um, so in that sense, uh, all of us have a protective eye, and they all protect those categories, uh, five categories of, of, co of core emotions uh, in, in identity. And so until those are healed, we are going to be limited in how much we know ourselves and know others. And so that, that makes any non-negotiable position uh, always a product of the, uh, the, the um, protector eye never the soul eye. The soul eye always has meta and goes, wow. Um, well, let's give an example. Uh, one direct example of a protector, a protector level, protector level dynamic, of course, is you made me feel blank. Ah, yes. Yeah. You made me feel blank. And identity scratches the head it doesn't have and says, um, just a second, uh, and offers the possibility which can be self-validated, that no one can make you feel anything that you don't already feel in yourself. No one can shame me unless I already feel shame in that domain that they're accusing me of. Um, if if, if a, a person tries to shame me and says I'm a patriarchal asshole, um, I go, wow, that's really interesting. Uh, tell me how you arrived at that. I'm curious. 
I would not be offended by it because I know I'm not a patriarchal asshole. Uh, I, I have opinions, but mostly in this stage of my life, I've got a whole lot more negotiability to my truths than I did when I was 30, mm. uh, as we all do and mellow as we get older. So this is a big one. Uh, and this is where victimhood, as we were talking about at the beginning here, slots in to talk also more about because as soon as you say you made me feel this or you did this to me um, you're already responding as if that person has the power as an adult and you're an adult to actually do something to you now they could certainly take a baseball bat to your head uh but if even in that sense, I used to use this metaphor a lot. If someone hits you on the head with a baseball bat and you say, wow, you just that was wrong of you to do. You did that to me. I didn't want you to do that. We say, well, slow it down, uh, slow it down. Why didn't I see it coming? You see, so we participate even in our absence of attention. We participate in every transaction. If we didn't know that our, our spouse or our, belo our beloved had a rage uh, aspect to them, and we play victim to that rage aspect without really seeing that, <laughs> wait a second, we probably drew that person to mm. reflect our own rage thing. Uh, and so we can get stuck really easy that way. So in that sense, no one can make you feel angry. Uh, no one can make you feel rageful. No one can make you feel hurt. No one you can make you feel anything that you're already that you don't already feel. And then there's a corollary to that, that everything, everything, all of our wounds, all of our positions about things, about any of our opinions, all are congealed by the time latest by 18. For a lot of people, 12 to 16, which means all of our wounds are already in us as we start going out into social the social world especially as adults which means people only trigger things in us not make us feel things and unless you really learn how to find that place which bless its heart the protect yourself can't do the soul eye has to come in with meta uh, and help this uh, protector eye see that that person isn't doing anything to you. They're doing something with you. Because mm. you already have the thing that you're being upset by. If you have to fight something, you're already a victim. You don't fight unless you already way earlier feel like a victim. Now, there's some asterisks to that, and we won't go into all of those right now. But as a general rule, this is really hard for people to accept. Yeah. You got some examples uh, that you know of people uh, on this, uh, Joseph? Oh, you know, uh, it just hit me um, a year ago. I witnessed a, a, a physical altercation in the post office while waiting in line. Two people, there was some sort of like road rage type thing happen, like some cutting off thing. And uh, I remember vividly seeing this... Uh, this one one woman, they were about six eight feet apart, and one woman would just would not stop taunting and verbally abusing the the other person. And I remember actually saying like, "I really think you should stop talking like that," because I could sense the other person was going to snap and like, 
Hey, why don't you, why don't we all calm down here? You're inside the post office. And she kept going and kept going. And sure enough, the other person just snapped and physically attacked the person. And five minutes later, the police were there. And of Mm -hmm. course, the person who did the physical attack under the letter of the law, they're the one in the wrong. Yes. Mm -hmm. But the other person is not a victim. Because they were escalating, they drew it, and they had an innocent bystander, myself, saying, hey, I don't see this going well, maybe you should (laughs) shut your mouth now, I don't Uh care how right you are, and she ended up bleeding by the end of the interaction, so. What a beautiful example. The law only sees the action. Yeah. Not what happened prior to the action. Of course, they say they, there's a thing in the law about self-defense, for sure. Mm-hmm. But but whoever attacks is the bad person, and the one who instigated it or contributed equally to it is just as guilty, just yeah. as guilty. But there's no room in the law for that very well. So there's a beautiful example of what we're trying to say here. Yeah, the, the entire legal system is basically like who's right and who's wrong, where it could be like the scale, the symbol of the scales shows, it could be like, hey, let's sort out our contributions here. Who did what and what, what can we both learn? Or it can be one person's fault and they can either be fined or go to prison where, and surely they'll learn the lesson that way, right? Yes. As this is especially, well, let's stick, stick with rage uh, dynamical domain here for a moment. Um, because if what identity is saying might be true, then... Anything that, and this is not an exaggeration, it's not 100% applicable in every situation, but it's about 95 in my experience. I like your opinion here on Joseph, Joseph this also. And that is that, that um, anyone who we get into something with in a, in a way that's upsetting to one or both of them, we're making that person pay for something our mother or father, uh, we couldn't make them pay because we were kids. This is the, the next level down of how we only are triggered into quote unquote negative altercative kinds of dynamics because um, we're, we're trying to get back at how we had no power to get back at mom and dad. I, I heard of someone today, um, uh, who, uh, when a little girl was six or seven years old, she's an adult now in our work, uh, the, fa- the father kicking her while she's down on the floor. Oh, my God. Kicking her. Now, here's a, a horrific child abuse situation where the child has no way to um, have any power in that moment. So what happens is that gets stored, compressed down by the protector self, and what will happen is such a person who was abused physically, let's say, will encounter a situation in a bar or in a marriage or somewhere, and the, the person you've chosen that person to be close to, let's say in a marriage or a relationship, you dial this in to actually get reflection on how you've got to heal, how you've got a ton of of wounds in here for what you couldn't get from your parents. It sounds simplistic, but but we make our our beloveds especially, we make them pay because we couldn't make mommy pay. Mm-hmm. We get angry at them because we couldn't get angry at mom or father or whatever. Now, it sounds simplistic, I know, but if you use that as just as an ABC kind of assumption, you will find a ton more negotiable space 
in how we feel wounded by others. We're just triggered into our wounds. That a person isn't causing us up our upset. And this is really hard because it, 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 to really get deep down and feel. But this is EBE's standard um, assumptions that are provable over 30 years of clinical trials of how this can all be ameliorated by having this other clarity that no one ever causes us to feel anything, only triggers up what we've already got unhealed inside of us. Mm. Now, this there's some really interesting uh, aspects to this because spirituality can kick in here and try to ameliorate our triggery fast reactions to um, situations and our negative emotions, so-called negative emotions. It's called transcendence, right? Mm -hmm. You can float above your trigger reactions, just like you can float above uh, watching your thoughts. You can float above your trigger reactions, and that will ameliorate and give you some meta. Ah, I see that you're upset with me, and I can feel in me that I am upset with you, but I'm not going to pay attention to either of those because mm -hmm. I can see from my meta transcendental place that this is all blah, 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 Maya, right? Identity um, goes, hold on, hold on. There, that's not the only solution to get meta. We can get emotive meta in the personhood domain without floating anywhere. Does uh, having access with your your sixth chakra open to the enormity and complexity of consciousness in this domain of Earth, can that help you see through things and not get so sure? If you're enlightened, can you certainly um, see things from a bigger meta place? But those are only treatments of symptoms in identity's picture. We found a way in identity where you can heal it at the level of personhood. And it's all based on this pivotal offering that no one makes you feel anything that you haven't don't already feel and you're not a victim of any other adults actions fully but for that to be workoutable both people have to be in agreement about that that that's what they're yeah. doing in any and, one moment in any one and moment but either one especially in beloved situations uh, one may have the 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 clearer gold uh, uh, soul eye picture and the other one not, and then they might reverse the next minute. So mm -hmm. it becomes a really difficult thing to, uh, to ameliorate. Um, and so if you're caught in something like that, remember, we're, we would always offer that any non-negotiable position is, is from our, our protector self. And, but there is an asterisk to this, and I'd like to speak to that asterisk for those of us who go deep, deep in. But there's a, there's a context first. Uh, I, uh, I once uh, asked a couple or a person in an in a, in a intimate relationship, Joseph, I asked, uh, how, was, how was your relationship before you met EBE? And this, this man said, oh, it was incredible. We had great sex. We had great uh, rhythms together. We loved being with each other. We always got along. And then we met this EBE thing, and, and it ruined our relationship. Uh -huh. I mean, he was talking pejoratively. Mm -hmm. he said, it screwed everything up because EBE shows us what we were repressing underneath all that happiness. Did he actually say that? Yeah, uh, we talked about it that way, and that's what uh -huh. he said. He said, it's the only reason it seems in he had meta, 
Mm-hmm. The only oh. reason it seemed like it ruined the relationship uh, was, be, and we laugh, we're laughing about it, is because we were operating on really superficial uh, 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 relational domains. And once we got into this EBE stuff, then we wonder if we're really meant for each other. Mm. And EBE takes the position, well, um, you know, relationships never fail. They only complete and some relationships complete. Uh, they don't. They don't go lifelong. That's fine. We but EBE has some good um, benchmarks to gauge when 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 that moment is, and that's the context for this other is. We hold that anger um, is the healed version of um, of rage in a sense, and that anger really is our our healthy conviction of our truth, right? And so our anger sometimes uh, uh, is can be completely right in its reaction. Uh, this is my conviction. I will not be treated this way, for example. Um, and what happens then, though, that's a truth. And we would support the reality of that truth, of that anger, when it's not, when it's not raging. But if it's this, hurt, this, ra- this anger that has pain in it, Better call it anguish. I'm calling it anguish later. These, uh, these me too. Times. Yeah, I like anguish better. Anguish. I see there's, it as like there's. It's a continuum. There's a layer yes. of rage, and then anger, and at the bottom of anger, it turns into anguish. Exactly, it has those three those three levels to it. And when real anger is happening, you drop into pain mm-hmm. at some point, almost always, yeah. if it's really intense. Mm-hmm. But here's the other thing: is uh, even anger. Let's, say, let's assume that that's a cleaner truth than rage. Okay? Yeah. If we, we can have a relationship with our truthful anger, that's also addictive. Mm. And, and once we have established, here is my conviction and I'm sticking to it, we have to look at some ways that we overgrab it. We overgrab it. Because that is another way that that overattachment, then we're talking about sage tracks now, right? That there is some healthy amelioration. Here's a truth. This is right, and EBE would support it. But from an MBE picture, there's a greater truth. There's a greater truth that maybe even there's an addiction to this, this position in the anger. Uh, I, I I was abused horribly um, uh, by my mother, and I drew uh, a couple of relationships where uh, the woman was really abusing me with all sort of different ways, um, and I was I wound up compensating and abusing also, but uh, in in a couple of relationships that was the case, and I boy I was just I'm not going to be treated this way I'm not going to be treated this way I didn't have we didn't have the distinction then of anger. Mm-hmm. Joseph, it was just rage still. But in retrospect, I wish I could redo it because once sage and saint aspects um, are available to our consciousness, um, there are truths and then there are greater truths. And you get to choose which one you want to serve. But you can't go to a transcendental truth until you find a healthy truth here in personhood. Then you're qualified, only then. Hmm, maybe there's another way that I that I can uh, I don't have to be um, addicted to this position, because in the in the sage way there's a greater truth. That's a position. It's a real one. We would even support it. And how how deeply you want to serve that position becomes an interesting question. 
Now we're talking about complexities here that are so far off the radar screen yeah. of, of most psychologies. I wanted to, if you're, if you're going, wait, what is he talking about really? What we're talking about back in the context of this podcast is the way, the ways we can, can get to know ourselves are really invisible while we don't make a distinction between the soul eye and the protector eye. And that's the mm -hmm. point I want to want to make. And those are just some examples of the complexity. And I wanted to make this clear because if there are psychologists, psychiatrists listening, if your tradition doesn't make that distinction, as you said so many times, Joseph, uh, we're going to, they're going to be treating symptoms, mm. not causes. Well, there's another wrinkle here. It makes me think of how one of the ways to sum up the uniqueness, if you could sum up the uniqueness, but you couldn't, but one way of summing up the uniqueness of EBE is that it, it's not a psychological dharma. It's, it's spiritual. And yes. so where psychology sees projection in content, like yes. they did this and that reminded you of this and for some right. moment you saw that, but we see projection in context. We see projection going all the way to existential levels. We yes. see projection as like, in one way, everything in your life is you because yes. you drew that to you. And if yes. you drew to you, there's a reason for it and you're supposed to learn from it. So in one way, it's true that people can do things to you, but in this other way, it's completely not true because you draw yeah. everything to you. Yes, and, oh, beautiful. And you have to work that out when you work out how you've drawn it to you, then you can actually get to know the other. I heard Ajisandu once say about enlightenment that it's in one way the removal of you from everything. Mm -hmm. Talking about that existential level projection. Now, yes. he was not talking about emotive level projection, no, personal no, no. projection. Yes, that's, right. that's, and we're combining both. Yes, we combine both. Exactly. And that's funny. I, again, we're so, so on the same page here, Joseph. That's exactly where I wanted to end up here uh -huh. is that. Thank you so much for that segue because it's so true. I used to um, start uh, uh, um, some when I used to do satsangs uh, uh, or even EBE stuff. I might op open up with, "Okay, everyone, I want everyone to get right at this moment. You're looking at me on the stage here, and you can feel all the people and see how peripherally. I want to suggest to you that everything you experience is inside of you." <laughs> yes. And people go, "What?" Mm -hmm. They they just over the years, newbies into the uh, the paradigm, they just they just don't get this. That everything I'm experiencing right now, I'm experiencing a, a, a computer screen and Joseph's image, and it's got a background of my little uh, office I've carved out of this little cabin we live in, um, and uh, uh, all of my beliefs are within me. Of course, all my positions are within me, all my emotions are within me, and everything that I am experiencing. I'm experiencing inside of me. This is not normal consciousness. No, and you know, the, what I learned from you in um, uh, as a, a Zen practice and a third eye opening practice, especially the, what you call using your eyes the way they're designed. The light yes. comes in, lands on our retina upside mm -hmm. down, fascinatingly, yes. and then our brain turns it around. Yes. But but the hearing sound comes to us, seeing light comes to us, smell it's all in here. But somehow yeah. we make up 
that yes. it's over well, that the experience i mean we know the person's over there but right. we think the experience is over there too <laughs> yes and that's totally <laughs> made up the experience <laughs> of the person is not over there i'm experiencing you like no not really i mean no. i think there can be flash of that when you feel someone yes it's deeper on it's an emotive deeper. level but even then that experience it's over there and over here Yes. Um, and so exactly. that that's like the, the biggest lie that that the protector tells us is this existential mm -hmm. idea of like, I'm experiencing that thing over there. Like, no, not right. directly. No. And this is and this is what's so um, non enlightened about um, the way we educate people uh, right from the get go, kids uh, straight through. And uh, we all devolve to this literal illusion. And now Zen would call the author of Maya is an illusion, and so Maya is simply something you have to get above and uh, and, uh, um, and not take so seriously. But but it's really important to take this seriously. What Joseph is saying here, and you articulated it beautifully, sir, uh, is that that until you get that everything you experience is inside of you, doesn't mean that person who's spatially not inside you is inside you, your experience of that person is inside you, meaning all of your reactions to that um, person that's spatially outside of you belong to you. That's another way of coming at what we started with, that you, you can never know another person. It's another way of looking at it, you, and even yourself. Because if you're already conditioned to say that, like you just said, that person is physically outside of me and experientially outside of me, right there is the bifurcation of illusion. Mm. The, uh, neither of these eyes are an illusion, but the illusion is that, that our experience is somehow out there, and it's not. Everything we experience, we experience inside ourselves. Now, that became clear to me after my non-dual event. Um, that, that did it for me. But um, that's not the whole answer, which, uh, which most non-dual uh, teachers and teachings go to go, you know, fly with is just that. That alone is an amazing attainment. But we do, we do versions of sage and saint spirituality, as Joseph said, in our personhood work, which could be called quasi-psychological, but it's got uh, 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 dimensions and domains of consciousness yeah. that are reach into it's, sage and saint. It looks right? psychological from like 50 feet, but yes. and it, it might be, you know, maybe even closer, but um, yeah. It, and if that weren't the case, then it wouldn't integrate into sage and saint the way it does. Yes, there's, that's right. There's, there's a sort of triple yin yang. I mean, that's the triple, the Venn diagram that there, there, there is yes. overlap. You can't do yeah. any of the three without doing the other. And that's because they're not three different things in the, at the end of the day, right? <laughs> yeah, they're three different domains of one one dynamical consciousness being, right? Yeah. And so they've always been deemed in, um, uh, 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 un unfoldable into each other. Uh, is spirituality in the West, what, you know, is... Uh, and, uh, and there's a ahead. really good example. So, for example, in, um, in most psychological situations, they would be addressing content sort of retail based projection, but not existential victimhood type projection, for example, yes. because right. that's spiritual. 
And in right. spiritual circles, they would address mm-hmm. the um, the the wholesale um, existential kind of projection, like right. onto life or onto people or whatever, but not right. in micro psychological ways that would be breadcrumbs trails to wounding. Yes, and we're saying if you don't put those together, you're not going to really deal with either of them because that orientation, those projections, are all part of. They're all happening from one place. Beautifully said, uh, and there's a there's a really succinct um, way of 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 understanding what we're offering here in our personal in identities transmutative dharmas, triple dharmas that all interweave with each other, and that is that that. Um, we use context to identify and counter illuminate content and we use content to illuminate and counter illuminate context nice we do both not one or the other spirituality does the contextual existential uh, psychology does the behavioral and the practical and the content we do both at the same time mm-hmm. now I'm not aware of any, even uh, Diamond Heart and, and, and Waking Down and the, and the ones that try to combine spirituality and psychology are based on, not based on these two eyes, the two are the soul eye and the, and the uh, protector eye. Mm-hmm. They make noun versions out of them. Well, the shadow, the shadow, you know, uh, we have to rise above the shadow. Um, I was just talking with someone I'm working with right now who, was doing um, uh, something, I think it was IFS, uh, 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 Family Systems. Internal Family Systems. Internal Family Systems, where their their shtick is um, they don't make an identification of the protector self. They go right to the emotion. And if you feel the emotion that's involved in this transaction, just feel that takes care of everything. Feeling it is not the same as healing it in that in that in that picture of things. Just because you can access the shame, let's say, if I uh, under a protector and never address the protector, oh. if you can feel the shame. That's not healing the shame because that feeling the shame has bypassed the eye that that shame is inside of. Mm-hmm. You see, and so which, and those two parts are actually connected in some ways. They're actually connected. If you buy, if you try to do the soul eye, feeling the wounded eye, you're going to bypass the um, the protector eye, and it will not heal. You've got to go through the protective eye, the protector eye, to get to the emotion, not from soulful um, kickups uh, or whatever it is that might arise in your contemplative work, for example. So again, those that haven't done a really deep dive into the complexities of consciousness, are good. this is going to sound a little like Greek, um, and, and even sounds Greek to purveyors of, uh, of high-end yeah. psychological and spiritual teachings. So don't, don't be discouraged if this sounds like Greek. Um, what you can take away from this today I hope, and here's my my uh, picture of today uh, so far, Joseph, is if you can take, if the listener can take away, not have to understand everything we say and go, oh, that's what they're talking about. Oh, that's what they mean. Just if you got the a sense, a taste of the complexity of human consciousness, that identity has access to and treatment for. Uh, we go way, way deeper than most do. And like that 
<laughs> man in a couple uh, who said that EBE uh, jovially wrecked our relationship, but for the better, it showed us how we were pretending to get along and not how we really feel all the way down. Well, it's like sort of like blaming social media for dividing the country. It's oh, like, yes. no, it gave you an anonymous venue to say what you thought and then an algorithm to give you more things that you would agree with. Right. <laughs> Not confront. Right. Yeah. It's, a, it's just a selective um, a support of your already wounded worldview. Yes. Yeah. It's a it's an unproductive positive oh. reinforcement machine uh, with no yes. accountability, no fact checking. And now right. we wonder why we have it. It just revealed the divisiveness that was already there. It's the same thing when they blame Trump for that. He's divided yes. the country. Oh, yeah. He's that powerful. <laughs> yeah. No, he he's just the one that that um, that supports it so much. Your own belief system that's already been conditioned goes right to him. Yeah. For example, like it. yeah. For example, like with with racism. Well, look, there's more hate crime happening. I think the stats are pretty bogus anyway. But you know, people yeah. are being more vocal with their racism. Oh, you mean the behavior based, uh, um, you know, energetic uh, edicts in the '60s that and and prior that said, okay, no more racism that lacked any kind of curiosity about why it was there, where it came from, and how to help right. people with the wound right. basis of that. You mean it right. didn't work and just drove the racism down and now it's coming out again and now that's Trump's yeah. fault? Yes. <laughs> We're not supporting Trump here. We're, no, he's not said, helping, but no, he's, he's not, not to blame for that no, either. He's milking it yes. for his own narcissistic uh, autocracy, autocratic uh, orientation. Yeah. And right. that's, yeah, exactly. And, and because he's dumb in all sorts of ways, but he does know how to pull heartstrings yeah. like that. Um, yeah, he does. He knows and, how to, as, if, as, if a, as if a billionaire can represent the working man. You know, I mean, this alone and, and him holding up the Bible upside down once, you know, and uh, oh God, it's, it's beyond, beyond. We're saying so he's the, read the Bible many times and the interviewer well, said, yeah, what's your favorite verse? And he couldn't name a single one. Not a single one. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. So the point that Joseph just made really beautifully here uh, to backstop what we've been talking about this whole podcast is that the complexity and the complexity of human consciousness is not really capturable by simplistic analyses, not simplistic philosophical analyses, not simplistic psychological um, uh, um, analyses, nor uh, um, simplistic spiritual ana uh, um, uh, um, analyses. It's way more complex than we think because of these two eyes, the soul eye that's got smaller and needs to decontract. You could say that all three of the dharmas that mesh, as you said so beautifully, uh, the net result is a decontraction in the personhood of the, of the protector eye into more of the soul eye, and the soul eye automatically gives you doorways to divinity one aspect of which is what we call the pre-dual. So the more soul eye emerges out of a person's consciousness uh, uh, dynamic, because it's, there's a less of a protector eye, the more automatically will uh, uh, spiritual things become available. And the one thing I want to end with here is that people who have past life enlightenments in both sagely and saintly dynamics, pre-dual, non-dual, or, uh, or oneness, allness stuff, 
those people who brought those in from past lives don't have to do meditating or praying or fasting or all they've got to do is deconstruct all they we've had so many examples the deconstruction of the protector eye gives room for more soul eye and as soon as the soul eye awakens to a certain degree more 10 20 30 40% domains they can enlighten in the pre in the pre duel or have a god rush uh, without doing any spiritual work because the ebe person work is spiritual and i just want to put that out there to people who are trying to do get enlightened in ashrams or or with teachers that that uh, transcend the personal as an illusion it's all that's only a starter game not the real possibility of a deeper end game so if you've got the taste here of i only understood 20% of what these two guys talked about today good that's mm. fine but if you got a soul taste or a heartful taste for the complexity that we can offer people and the different ways we can analyze and therefore treat suffering maybe that's what you take from today okay then well let's close there and uh, then next time we'll be covering number 10 realization that God is always trying to help you and says, says yes to all of your prayers. <laughs> Can you, Perhaps the how, most counterintuitive of the first 10 we've done or the first nine we've done. It is. God says yes to every prayer. That will make a case for that next time. Yeah, now, now that's a cliff. I think it's the best cliff. How could you not listen to that? We're going to talk. <laughs> we're going to prove that. I don't know how we can prove that. We're going to yeah. paint a picture for how that's yes. happening. Thank you, Stace. Thank you, listeners, for hanging in there for 70-odd episodes. If you've been listening in order, if you haven't, well, then I hope you're putting the pieces together. It's like doing a puzzle sure. without doing the edges first. Good luck with that. <laughs> it certainly can be done. Right. You can't do it from the center out. Uh, you can. So. It's just way harder. But yeah, uh, yeah. hey, you know, you, it's like reading a book. Sometimes the best way to read a book is not in order. You, know, you just got to follow yeah. what your interest um, sure. pulls you toward. So thank you all, and we'll hear you next time. Bye for now. I'm ready. Thanks for listening to the Heart of Soul podcast. To learn more about Stace Barron and Identity, please visit identity.org. To learn more about Joseph Shapiro, visit clearandopen.com. Until next time, we wish you well on your journey.